Welcome to Come Follow Me Mental Health Insights with Dr. David Morgan. Each week we'll review a concept from the Come Follow Me lesson and talk about applications to improve our mental and emotional health. Hi, welcome to episode 30. This week we are studying Ezra chapters 1, 3 through 7, and Nehemiah chapters 2, 4 through 6, and 8. Um, and last week we talked about the Babylonian conquest of the southern kingdom of Israel, which is where Jerusalem is located. And remember, so the, uh, the Jews were taken from there. They were taken to Babylon. The temple was ransacked and the walls of the city of Jerusalem were destroyed. Now, in the book of Ezra, we read about the Jews who are still living in Babylon, um, but Babylon is defeated by Persia and comes under the rule of the Persian King Cyrus. And for whatever reason, uh, King Cyrus is more compassionate or maybe less interested in having the Jews stay in Babylon. So as the Jews start to request of him to leave, he's okay with that. Now, And they've been there about 70 years in captivity in Babylon. And the book of Ezra contains the details of their return and their efforts to kind of rebuild their city. Um, now, the book of Nehemiah it appears to be a firsthand account of Nehemiah, so kind of a, a bit out of his journal. And Nehemiah was particularly interested in rebuilding the wall that surrounded Jerusalem. Now, the walls were provided um, safety and, uh, and protection from invaders, but that wall had been completely destroyed in the Babylonian conquest. Now, so Nehemiah was the cupbearer of the king um, Artaxerxes, Artaxerxes, and uh, this king was he was a descendant of Cyrus. And in Nehemiah chapter two, we see this interaction, and this is from the um, it seems to be first person from Nehemiah. And it came to pass. This is starting in verse one, and it came to pass in the month of Nisan, in the twentieth year of Artaxerxes the king that wine was before him. And I took up the wine and I gave it unto the king. Now I had not been before time sad in his presence. Wherefore the king said unto me, why is thy countenance sad? Seeing thou art not sick, this is nothing else but sorrow of thy heart. Then I was very sore afraid. And I said unto the king, let the, let the king live forever. Why should not my countenance be sad when the city, the place of my father's sepulchers lieth waste and the gates thereof are consumed with fire. So he basically tells the king, of course I'm sad. My beloved city, Jerusalem, is in ruin. It's destroyed. And I love the, it, it's kind of, it feels like talk about your church life that we've been counseled to do. I feel that uh, Elder Uchtdorf would be very, very happy with Nehemiah. He actually gave a talk about Nehemiah once, but when asked about it, Nehemiah talked about his church life. And Nehemiah requests of the king, he says, can I go back to Jerusalem and with some men and rebuild the wall? And the king says, absolutely. So now remember, Israel used to be very, very powerful, uh, a very powerful military might. And Jerusalem was a powerful stronghold of theirs. Uh, their enemies had reduced it to nothing. So you can imagine that any signs of growing, regrowing strength among the Jews or a resurgence of Jewish strength was not very popular among their foes. And three of these particular foes were named Sanballat, Tobiah, and Geshem. These were minor rulers in Persia. And in Nehemiah 4, this is their response to the Jewish efforts to rebuild the wall, starting in verse 1. But it came to pass that when Sanballat heard that we builded the wall, he was wroth and took great indignation and mocked the Jews. And he spake before his brethren in the army of Samaria and said, What do these feeble Jews? 
Why will they fortify themselves? Will they sacrifice? Will they make an end in a day? Will they revive the stones out of the heaps of rubbish which are burned? Now Tobiah the Ammonite was by him, and he said, even that which they build, if a fox go up, he shall even break down their stone wall. They're just making fun of him. They're saying, look, you guys can't rebuild this. And if you do, it's going to be so weak that a fox can knock it down with his tail. Reminds me of the great and spacious building and the people who would mock those doing what's right. And I wonder, has this ever happened to you? Have you ever felt opposition when you tried to do something that's right, either by friends or other disbelievers, people that tell you that there's no way to accomplish what you can do? Um, and if you have, I'm sorry, and shame on those people who said that. They're not your true friends if they are um, doubting your genuine efforts. So what's Nehemiah's reaction to these, these doubters? In chapter 4, verse 6, he says, So we built the wall, and the wall was joined together unto the half thereof, for the people had a mind to work. He said, we just did our work. We went ahead and we built the wall. And they knew they had a purpose, and they were not going to be dissuaded. So what's the reaction of his enemies to this? In verses 7 and 8, But it came to pass that when Sanballat and Tobiah and the Arabians and the Ammonites and the Ashdodites had heard that the walls of Jerusalem were made up, and that the breaches began to be stopped, they were very wroth, and conspired all of them together to come and fight against Jerusalem and to hinder it. So you're probably not having this experience, even if you do have friends that doubt your ability to move forward, they're probably not combining against you to uh, thwart your work. However, you are very likely to experience this from Satan and from his minions. They will absolutely organize to keep you from accomplishing something grand. And so what did Nehemiah do uh, in verse 9 of chapter 4? Nevertheless, we made a prayer unto our God and set a watch against them day and night because of them. They prayed to God and then they defended themselves. Their defenses were up. Now, once the wall was almost complete, these three tricksters, Sambalot, Tobiah, and Geshem, still wanted to stop Nehemiah's work. And so they said, hey, why don't you come down to this neutral location so we can talk? And this is what it says in Nehemiah 6, starting in verse 2, that Sanballat and Geshem sent unto me, saying, Come, let us meet together in some one of the villages of the plain of Ono. But they thought to do me mischief, is what, Nebias, uh, is what Nehemiah says. And I sent messengers unto them, saying, I am doing a great work so that I cannot come down. Why should the work cease whilst I leave it and come down unto you? Yet they sent unto me four times after this sort, and I answered them after the same manner. He says, I am doing a great work, so I cannot come down. In other words, he's saying, I don't have time for you. I'm doing something very important. I don't have time to be distracted from this. Um, and so I'm not going to meet you down in the plains of Ono. And he knew they were trouble in the first place. And Nehemiah is just such a great example of knowing what his purpose was and then following through with that purpose. Once he had identified that plan of rebuilding the wall, when alternative options came, he looked at that and compared it against his plan and decided if it was something he could do. And if, and if it didn't fit with what he had decided to do, his, his determination to build the wall, then he just wouldn't mess with it. And, and it speaks to kind of the value of purpose and then the liability of not having purpose. Having a purpose um, can really get us moving forward, but having a lack of purpose can keep us standing still and not really progressing. Now, each of us has a divine purpose. This has been identified by our Heavenly Father. And that overall divine purpose can help you um, create even kind of smaller purposes within that that keep us going. You could think of it as like a large goal that's broken down into smaller goals, but that still support the overall design and that overall goal. Now, last week, 
I mentioned how President Nelson uh, stated that in order to navigate today's challenges, he recommended developing a deeper understanding of our identity and purpose. Last week, we talked about identity and how identity, understanding our identity can help us manage mental health issues. Purpose works the exact same way. The more you understand your overall purpose, the more you'll be able to move past obstacles that get in your way, like broken down walls or detractors who are trying to do you mischief. Um, and I think this absolutely helps with mental health issues. The more we understand our divine purpose and work towards it, the more spiritual strength we'll have to manage those. I'm not suggesting it's a cure-all, but I'm saying when you know what you're really about and what you are trying to do, then um, these small these things that get in the way, we find ways around them. We see paths forward. So that's so this idea of purpose is just really, in my uh, in my opinion, very central to managing mental health issues. And so for this um, weekly invitation, remember. Don't burden yourself by trying to do all of them, but just prayerfully consider which ones you think would be best for you. So for this week, let's do an exercise about purpose, or I invite you to do an exercise about purpose and how to break down that purpose into smaller manageable steps. So write down one of one of your divine purposes, and this could be anything, and it's going to be very, very individual. A few kind of general ones I thought of would maybe be being a good son or daughter or being a good spouse or being a good neighbor whatever it is, write down a, a very general purpose that you feel like you have in this life. Now I want you to write down a goal that can be accomplished in three to six months that relates to that purpose. So if my divine purpose was to be a good son or daughter, then a goal that could be accomplished in three to six months would be, um, I'd like to improve my relationship with my mother or my father or friend or sibling or whatever it is. Then I want you to write down one thing that you can do each week to try to accomplish that goal and then execute your plan. And you can see how that those things that you're doing on a weekly basis will contribute to that goal that you're going to try to meet in three to six months, which then contributes to your overall goal of meeting that defined purpose. I have free worksheets you can download to help you remember and implement this week's and former week's invitations. To find out how to get these, sign up for my email newsletter. You can find the link in the show notes. Um, also, please subscribe so you can easily access new episodes each week. And if you like the podcast, please leave a review. I appreciate those very much. I also have a free anxiety management mini course that I've made and would love to give you a copy. Um, if you go to the show notes, you can click the link for more information there. Thanks for listening. And until next time, this is Dr. David Morgan reminding you that change is possible, but change requires action and to always keep moving forward. Thanks for listening. If you want to learn more, please visit Dr. Morgan's website at www.drdavidtmorgan.com.